Welcome everybody to another edition of Conversations with Shelby Green. I am your host, the main man, Big Nasty, Big Daddy Cool, Shelbo Nasty. You can just call me Shelby Green. And today joining me is my good friend from work, Mark Drake. How you doing, Mark? I'm okay. You're okay? You just say you're okay, huh? Yeah. So, basically, I'd like to do one on the podcast before we talk about the subject we're going to talk about today. Just introduce you to the program, how we met, unfortunately, and everything else. So, you want to take it from here, buddy, how we met? Uh, at work. <laughs> Basically, what happened was I came back from Brownsburg, the BBI terminal for the wonderful Old Dominion Freight Line, and um, I came back and uh, we I went to the ten o'clock shift, and that's how we met. Me, you, Fat Boy John Malone. What's about Fatty is? Uh, he's a whale. He's a whale. I'm sorry, I'm just getting creeped out because Biggie's over here staring at me. <laughs> Talking about the poster yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, knock it down. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> I know about that. That's actually that's like probably my favorite poster I got on my wall. On this side, like it's my heavy metal one I got right here too. I like the heavy metal one. That is actually I got that I got that the same day I got that one. It was that there was a shop in Greenwood. I can't remember what it was called, but it was there. And I was like, you know what? I need to grab that because that's a who's who of rock music, basically. I just feel like Biggie's directly looking at me. With that one right there. Uh, all of them. <laughs> all, all, all four of them. The, especially, especially the one with the, cig- the cigar hanging out of his mouth. Like yeah. he's about to, he's about to put a hit on you for the mafia. Yeah, and Tupac's over there looking at me very pensively. <laughs> oh, here we fucking go. But anyway, so basically we met, we, we started talking, and we figured out that we had similar interests with films and stuff. And like, I'm the uh, mainly a horror guy, but I would say, go on a limb saying your view of Disney films oh, is, I what, Disney. is the way I feel about what I feel about horror films. Because we talk about we talk about what they're doing with Marvel on Disney Plus. By the way, guys. Coming up, um, I'm gonna review the Moon Knight series on this on this on this podcast. I'm very excited to talk about that. I've watched the first episode so far. It's very interesting. I'm not gonna talk any more about it, but we've talked about it at work a little bit, yep. and it's it's good. Uh, would you say it's your favorite one of the Marvel shows so far? It's hard to say because we're only an episode in. Right. It's real hard to say. You think it will end up being or no? I think there's a pretty good chance that that it has the potential to be my favorite. Right. I got you. So. Basically, we're going to talk about a film today, a horror classic to many, to some, may not. Some people may have heard of it, horror community has, but outside of that, whatever. film that came out in 1979, it's an American science fiction, science fantasy horror film called Phantasm. Yeah. And it, this is a film that a lot of people may, like I said, not have heard of, but to, it's one of those hidden gems, I guess you would say, of the seventies. The it's the one and it came out on March on March twentieth, nineteen seventy nine, which is kind of, you know, actually releasing recently it came out. What would it be? Almost, what forty two, forty three years ago? Yeah, around there. Yeah, it was written directed by Don Colasonia. I guess that's how you say his name. Thanks, so. Because so whatever, but basically he had this fucking he he. I was doing some research on this. There was a film in 1976 came out. It was a pornographic film called Phantasm. And basically, Don knew a little bit about it. And he said, you know, what if I made a horror film called Phantasm? A scientific fiction horror film. So he came up with this idea of a supernatural, basically, undertaker at a funeral home. Just doesn't have a name. Call him the Tall Man. Played by Angus, Angus Grimm. And we would talk about guys like horror icons like the Michael Myers, the Jason Voorhees, the Freddy Kruegers, the Leatherface. I think the tall man deserves to be in that conversation. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I just side note, um, I feel like with his real name being that, like he was made for horror. Yeah, yeah. Angus <laughs> Scrim, yeah. And there's scenes in this film where like like he like there like there's scenes in this film where he's walking down the street or just his presence is just creepy as fuck. The lighting in this film too. And basically, um, Sounds like he belongs in Slytherin House. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree with that. And I think also, um, like, I, there's scenes in this film where we're gonna get to talking into about. It, but like, he, to me, he doesn't get talked about a lot, and I think he deserves more credit. But like, unfortunately, nobody knows about the Phantasm franchise. Like, outside the horror community, you don't really hear a lot about it. Well, when you asked me to pick a movie, so first of all, my parents never censored me. My parents let me same watch. Here. Same here. Watch whatever I wanted. That's why I'm so fucked up nowadays. My parents took me to like the Friday the 13th. I remember they took me to see Jason Goes to Hell on a school night. That's awesome. Like my parents did not censor me in the least bit. And so a lot of horror movies when I was at an age where most kids would be afraid of, of things they see on TV and horror. 
like my you know every was it like Friday Friday night I think it was was when mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt used to air so like that was like a family thing for us like sit around and watch Tales from the Crypt mm-hmm. but I wasn't scared of pretty much any horror film and this was the one of the only films that ever just really irked me as a kid mm-hmm. uh like the just it, it, it was the tall man it, right uh, because there's other things that go on in, in the phantasm films that pertain to horror but the the tall man was the thing that always just really irked me and i think not to jump ahead but you know when you watch the films his placement in the film is because because you know there's the scene towards the well at the very end where the boy's in his room and he's convinced that maybe what happened was all a nightmare and then he closes the closet Boy. door, and you see, yeah, you see the 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 mirror on the door, and he's actually standing in the corner. To me, I think the creepiest scene for him in the film is when they're wa- he's walking down the street. Oh, yeah, walking down the street where the the one the younger the the main I would say heroic the story that's centered around this little boy, this young thirteen year old kid named Mike. He's outside, and he sees that presence. That guy. He, it's a slow walk. It's a weird walk, like. He walks like a zon, like his arms are kind of flopping in the air. Yes. But he has like he's leaned his he's kind of leaned back, not like in a muscular build, but he's like really like he's tall, like a tree, like a stoke tree. And he's walking like walking, and he kind of stops and not even look, he looks around. And he kind of puts his hands like he's he's like he's feeling something. And the smoke from the street is coming up. I don't know. It was the uh, it was the steam off the ice cream. Truck. The ice cream truck. That Reggie, a character we're going to talk about a little bit. Who it, what it, around? He's getting that feel the ice like that's that that's that's that that from the ice cream truck or whatever, and he walks away. I don't know what it was about that scene, but I'm like, that's fucking creepy. Like I don't, oh, yeah. know. right? It's a film that I did not see till I was in high school, and when I was starting to venture out into more horror films, when I started discovering more stuff, it was one of the films I came across one day on on demand for Xfinity, and I Phantasm. So I watched it, and I was just like. What the fuck? Like it blew me away from the opening scene where it opens up and by this you're at this funeral home basically, and then there, these these two people are fucking in a cemetery. This girl's on top of this guy, and all of a sudden she pulls out a dagger, she stabs him, and then then the tall man comes in front of her. Like it's I'm like, the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like whatever. But overall though, the one thing I will say about it, and I think it is, it's what it's it tr- it's one of those cult classics. Yeah. Like, it's one of those films where you go, you watch, like, okay, you can see, it does, some of it doesn't age well with the acting or whatever, the placement of everything, but you can see back in 1979, like, this would be a film that it was, you could tell it was very low, it's a very low budget, whatever. I mean, on a budget of $300,000, they made $22 million with it, well, which is pretty, that's a pretty damn good profit. You know, we've talked about this before, is I, you know, I love high budget horror films, but. Low-budget horror films have a special place in my heart because I think they're fantastic. Yep. And even yep. even for the time that that was made, that was low-budget. Mm-hmm. But it is just so good considering how low-budget it was uh, that you know I don't I feel like most of their budget was probably spent on the few effects that they throw in there. Yeah. Like the orbs and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I understand why they did that. Um, the orbs are pretty cool in this too. And what these orbs are, they're basically like this little silver ball. They're probably how big would you say? About, about, as, about as big as both your fists. About as big as both my about, about, big as both my fists. And basically, you got these little ain't I call them angel wings. Like they come out with this little spike. This little drill comes out. It's actually a pretty cool effect. And actually, it ages pretty well. I watched it today, right before you came over, and I was like, that ages still pretty well. You can see you can see where the makeup was done, where they they drew yeah. this guy in the head. But overall, I also laughed at that scene because when the, the what would you say it's like a caretaker? Yeah, he's a caretaker. A caretaker grabs um, uh, grabs Mike. He's trying to hold him, and if you watch closely, before he bites in his arm, Mike has the blood capsule in his fucking mouth. You could you could see he's got he, he's kind of pinched down on it, and he lets go of it when he bites down. I'm like ah, that caught you. You know what else? I, I, this isn't. Necessarily to the same degree, but I caught something the other day when I rewatched it. Is um, so when Mike breaks into the funeral home mm-hmm. to kind of investigate the weird things that right. are happening. Right. He's in the basement, and first of all, there is an overhead light 
um, with a full string, but he, he doesn't actually use it. Instead, he pulls out a lighter and walks around with it. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that. I was like, okay. Like, well, even though when his brother goes in later, like he uses the light, so you know the light works. But <laughs> he uh, then you know he, he climbs into a casket to hide when he hears the tall man coming and the caretaker coming, whatever. And uh, I noticed, like, so when you see the angle where he's looking out of the, the casket, it's mm-hmm. cracked open, he's mm-hmm. looking out. Um, every time I've ever seen it, and, and I think anybody else who would see it thinks, oh, he's just, you know, he's he's got it pried open. He's, he's barely looking through. But then if you look really quickly, what he did was he took that lighter and he wedged it between the door of the casket and the base of the casket. So when he opens it back up, you never see him take the lighter back. So the lighter just magically disappears. Right. Between scene, from scene to scene, that lighter just magically it disappears. Vanishes. It's not in his pocket. It's nowhere. It's not. Yeah. It, you not know, in his hand. Nothing. It just disappears. And like it's just like you know, there's little hidden gems throughout this film. But like I want to touch on something what you said about low budget horror films. You know, like this is this is '79. So obviously, the year before Halloween came out, like less than six months ago, the Halloween came out before then. But you also, you had films like Last House on the Left. You know, you had The Hills Have Eyes. To me, like, those are four classics right here you talk about. And, like, that to me is what, you can do a comedy, you can do an action sequel, it could be shitty with low budget. You do a horror film, it can be fucking fantastic. Because you can get away with, the story doesn't have to be that. You can have a good good scare here, a good tone, good lighting, because, that's my foot. Oh, okay. You could. It's a big ass foot. <laughs> Playing footsie with me under the table. <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe I am. Mm-hmm. But overall, and also they always have financial backers too. Yeah. Like you know the guy who, uh, like, I was watching that. What was it? Lost my train of thought. But overall, though, like this film, you can tell it had to have a backer for it. I mean, Don got to do Don. Uh, Conselli got his lit, got to live his dream. He directed his own style. He re- wrote and directed a fucking, a, basically a horror cult classic. I mean, it, it's pretty damn good to be honest with you. And just to touch base on the cult classics and the low budgets and all that, and mm-hmm. becoming these hidden gems, I I feel like the ultimate when when having this conversation, the ultimate horror movie to talk about in this conversation is Evil Dead. Oh fuck yeah, yes. I mean, it, it, it literally launched Sam Raimi's career. Well, Sam Raimi, to me, anything that dude does is gold. I think I'm waiting for him to do an Oz and a, a great, powerful sequel. That would be awesome. That, you know, you know what I'm talking about—the film with James Franco yeah. and that 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 film that came out years ago. But like, there's a, you know, obviously he's doing the Doctor Strange film. Yeah, he did Doctor Strange. And then, and he, he, which is coming out later this year, and I cannot wait for that movie. Pretty, pretty excited. Yeah. I would too. And then, um, you know, obviously he did direct Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two. Did he do the? Did he do Armor of Darkness? But I know I he never looked it up. I know he. I know he's a producer on the Evil Dead prequel remake, whatever it is. I think it's a sequel. Then but the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. The Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Emo Spider Man. Emo Spider Man. Emo Spider Man. But anything he's done is damn pretty good. Like I guess I remember Bruce Campbell doing an interview, saying Sam doing a being a former magician, he could do a bunch of camera tricks. Yeah, I've for, seen. I've seen that same interview. The yeah. Bra- Bravo's 100 scariest moments. They talked yeah. about that film because. That, that's a great movie. Actually, you know what? I might watch that. There movie. is a, and I don't remember if it's the same documentary, but there is a uh, documentary where it talks about Evil Dead. It might be a bonus on the Evil Dead DVD. I don't know. Um, where they go behind the scenes of old captured footage mm-hmm. uh, when they were filming and watching some of the stuff they did to get the angles of those films. Right. Like, there's one where he's, I don't know what he's on. He's on some type of a platform that has a pulley system. He's on his back. It's the shed scene. And they they literally, like, obviously you don't see him because you're seeing his point of view, but they basically shoot him out of that shed on this pulley system while he's on his back holding the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, like, there's certain things you, you talk about, like, the camera angles with the fog and shit and the mist. Like, that camera shot of, you know, that fucking wherever it is out there in the woods, you don't know really where it is, and it's fucking running through the woods, that basic, that basic screen, and it's fucking following you everywhere. To me, that's that's more scary than a jump scare, because you don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah. To me, that's what that's what I like. When you do horror films like that, instead of doing this stupid, there's a jump scare every fucking five minutes. Like, the one thing I talk about with The Conjuring, everybody likes The Conjuring franchise. I'm I'm lukewarm on it, because I feel like it, it went from being a great story horror film 
to a film that kind of relied more on jump scares. And, you know... I agree with you. My thing about the Conjuring universe is they've slowly been pulling away from the thing that I think made it... The thing that gave it the element of fear was that, you know, Ed and Lorraine were real people, and they always start those films with, these are supposedly real accounts of things that happened. Right, 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 right. You know, whether you believe it or not, um, and, and they have said, you know, the things that they they claim happen, these are exaggerations of them, but, um, you know, they're pulling away from that. Like, it doesn't seem as realistic, or I don't even know if you really want to call it realistic, but it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like they focus too much anymore on these are accounts that Ed and Lorraine had, yep. and we turn them to film. Yep. They're pulling away from that, and that was the thing that made those film scary at least in my mind is that you were like oh this is something that they're saying actually happened yes you know what's funny me and Kyle Perkins had that same discussion when the devil made me do it the, the third Conjuring mm-hmm. film came out which I did like it, it's the worst one of the three they've had but it's, yeah, it's, it's still a good film I think yeah. it's a solid good film and we talked about like you know he says that he feels like it's getting away from what it what made it the first one, when it came out years ago, I remember when it came out, people were saying it's a new horror classic or whatever. I went and saw it in theaters, like, I agree, it's pretty damn good. The second one, I'm actually more of a fan of the second one than the first one. But then you had the Nun spinoff, the Annabelle spinoffs. I feel like it's getting away from what, it's getting away from it. Even though I like I like Annabelle creation. I didn't care for the Nun. I didn't either. I know Joe Wynn was a big fan of it, but. I mean, I don't think it's the worst, but I just, I didn't. I, I think, feel like they had momentum from the Conjuring. Same films, here. Same here. And they didn't really write off that momentum the way they could have. I tell you the truth, I think. Anybody. I think with that scene, there's a trailer that came out. To me, when I think of a film like The Nun, I feel like there's a certain film that's already been out there that's kind of similar to that, The Exorcist Three. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about the scene with the fucking the hedge clippers and shit coming out. And I go out on them all the time. Every time I watch that film, going off tangent a little bit, we're talking about because I mean we're talking about seventies horror films. We won't bring it up. 70, I mean, The Exorcist came out what seventy four. Yeah, I think so. We actually talked about that. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stay off fancy. We're gonna just talk about films for a little bit. But um, the Exorcist franchise, you know, they're doing a remake yeah, as well, remake. which I'm kind of interested to see how this because The Exorcist. There are certain films I can watch and I don't get frightened. There's some things in that fucking movie, the first one, I'm just like, God damn, like, I can see why people fucking... You know that I've, I've always wondered, and, and I'm sure I could look this up, I've never taken the time to look right. it up. So, um, you, you know that in The Exorcist, the dude who, who, like, you know, you see the scene, the wind's blowing really hard, and he gets thrown down the staircase and he dies? Yeah! Is that the same staircase from The Joker? Because it looks identical. It's similar, but I don't think it's the same. But I think it's similar. I yeah. think it's a similar. St- Ever since I saw the Joker, I was like, I don't know if that's the same staircase. No, I don't think it is. I think no, there are a lot. It's a lot alike, but I don't think it's the same. No, 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 no. I, and now I'm, I'm now I'm, I got like a side view show, showing in my head. No, I don't think so. But it's similar. It is similar. I think the staircase and the Exorcist is smaller. It's not as wide as the fucking one in the Joker, but it is very damn similar. But. You know, overall though, like, there's nothing better than there. In my opinion, there's nothing better than fucking like horror films, man. In my opinion, ain't nothing better than you can do a comedy with it. You can do any type of film you want. You can do a drama horror film. You can do an action-based horror film. So, of the DVDs that we own in our house, which DVDs are becoming extremely obsolete anymore. Well, anything on a home video, home. Ninety percent of our DVDs are horror films. films. Same here. But you go. To, I got my Blu-rays. I, Clean my storage unit out the other day. I got all my Blu-rays in my car right now, my boxes, and I was picking them up. Look, I said, "Jesus Christ, I got a lot of horror films." <laughs> like I got, and also I got a Shredder account and everything else too. Well, you know, when Blockbuster went out, was going out of business, all their DVDs, which were used but refurbished, uh, were like twenty-five cents, and I, so I just went up there and stockpiled on horror films. I ain't nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, I would done the same thing, knowing how, knowing what. What has happened? I would have done the same thing, man. I mean, God, Friday night after school at Blockbuster, the, yep. good, the good old days, man. Childhood, childhood, <laughs> Rob, childhood. So overall, I'm getting to this fucking bonkers ass movie. I saw it from Travis Shibar, the guy when the po- did the my the episode podcast went on. He said this bon- when he sees a cool ass movie, he always says bonkers film, bonkers film. 
Yeah. But overall, so basically the film starts out that this this guy named Tommy and this woman are having sex in the cemetery. Um, I kind of smirked and laughed when I was watching this because that yeah. sex scene ever. No, not that. <laughs> no, I, I just I've got some I got some dark shit I've done, <laughs> and I'm not saying anything more. But you know, the woman's on top of him, and they I guess they got finished. She they both ejaculated. It's over with. And fucking all of a sudden, she stabs him, which is the <clears throat> the old school seventies word. Like you can feel he gets he gets stabbed, mm-hmm. and you get up and you get a zoom cave in her face, and then it goes to the tall man. Like it's okay. They go back to this. They seem then they go back to this shot of funeral home, which you see often. By the way, we talk about creepy ass houses. You know, Amityville Horror is probably the house, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. There's some more probably you can talk about, but that fucking house. And that, the, the dark shadow on that big property they have, that's, well, that funeral home. Well, think about the element of that house is the, uh, it's in this huge open space with this ginormous cemetery. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, with yeah. nothing around but lines of trees. Right. I mean, that's what that's what's so creepy about it. And it's a, it's a white house, but in the dark, you really can't see unless when the lights are on. So I thought that was pretty uh, cool. They do that shot a lot in this film, but overall, I do like it a lot. Speaking of something else that I noticed about that film the other day when I watched it is the scene where uh, Jody breaks into the basement after mm-hmm. Mike already does. We we talked about that scene where he uses the light, but when he's breaking into the mm-hmm. breaking into the funeral home, um, if you watch, obviously a car was passing by because some headlights stream across the house. I mean, he has a flashlight in his hand, but it's no way, no way there was a flashlight yeah, to cause that right. that light. But you do notice it, and you're like, "Oh wow, a car must have just drove by." Right, but um, you know, so the the next day they fast forward to the funeral, and you you meet Jody and Reggie, who are the two other characters. Is Jody is Michael's older brother? Who we talk about, and Reggie's a side character that I actually like. It's Jody's best friend. Jody's best friend, yeah, and I actually like Reggie. He's also got the skullet. With the yeah. fucking hair, the oh, yeah. hair, the thing. What I'm gonna have in about three years, probably. I feel like that's what made him so badass. The hair, the, the hair. <laughs> he made him stand out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and also, side note, you know, he has that haircut in all the films, all the Phantasm films, and it's like it's iconic. Yeah, he's known for that. It made me want to shave the top of my head and grow my hair out. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> I wait long enough, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, you keep you, you're going in that right trend. You give about another year, you'll have it where it needs. But uh. They're talking about how they didn't want to bring Mike around because, you know, of, you know. Their parents had died. Their parents had passed away. And basically, he didn't, you know, how traumatized he was. And obviously, you know, Mike is being weird. He's got binoculars. He's observing the fucking funeral. And then that's when he sees, after they take Tommy's, you know, the cast. By the way, nice effects on the face when he's in the the coffin, how dead he looked, how pasty he looked. I thought that was pretty cool for 70s effects and horror. Then they do the thing where they take the, you know, you know, I'm sure you've been to funerals like I have, where they pull out, they pull out the hearse, they grab the, the coffin, they put him in the, the ground, they, they start lowering the ground, and then all of a sudden they fast forward, you see the tall man. It's not the same coffin, no. but he's picking this fucking box up basically, and he throws it back in the hearse and he drives off, I believe, right? Yeah, single handedly picks up the coffin, and that's when Mike knows what the fuck's going on. So that gives you the first thing, right? Well, actually, before that, he notices a what the fuck's going on because. Remember, he's in the graveyard when he's when you're talking about spying right before that that scene, and he realizes that I don't know what you'd call them. I'm assuming you'd call them demons, mm-hmm. the little the little people, little weirdos. Yeah, he they keep running behind coffins, and he keeps hearing them make the noise that they make, and he turns around and he he sees like a glimpse of them as they're running behind coffins, and he's like, wait a minute, what's that? Yeah, well, behind the, the tombstone, one, yeah. there's one out the yard behind the behind oh, yeah, the, I mean, the, 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 the tombstone. Yeah, the tombstone. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But you see when Tallman, and the way Tallman does that, when he picks that fucking box up, he throws it in, he slams the door. The way he does it, the way he turns, it's little things like that, the detail, the rotation. It's like watching a pro wrestler, like a certain guy turning, like a certain guy just turns his head, or like a horror character. Like when Michael or Jason turns their fucking head and looks a certain way, you get chills like, oh shit, like this motherfucker, like you don't fuck around with these guys. So they fast forward, and basically, um, Jody talks about his brother Mike about he's gonna send him off to his aunt because you know he's kind of because basically Mike is traumatized about because all he got left is really his brother, so he follows his brother around all the time. So they fast forward, and Jody goes to a cemetery, and basically he not no I'm sorry he goes to a local bar, 
and then he meets a, a woman in a cemetery, and you know from what it looks like, that's the same bitch from the fucking yeah. from the uh, from the, the, the graveyard, whatever. So they go to the cemetery to have sex, but somehow, someway, Jody gets interrupted by Mike. They take off, and Mike's like, "I can't have sex at the cemetery with this girl." And then he later goes back to the bar, find out that chick ever come back in here, and nothing's ever really explained it again. Then you find out what it's all about. But you know, if you want to take over from here a little bit. To have to have a scene where you you're sitting there watching horror film, you going, why are people going to a cemetery to have sex? Nothing ever goes happens with that. Well, I think it's small town and it's a place they can go. And I mean, it's not like the whole town's going out there having relations. So I think it's just like this small group of people are like, let's go out to the cemetery because no one's going to bother us out there. Right. Like no, like like I said, you never. You never see vehicles going past right. the cemetery, and you have to go down a winding road back in the woods to get back to the house where the cemetery is at. So, if I was a guest, that was that was what they were playing at. Right. Uh, but to pick up where you left, leave off, you know, uh, Jody sends Mike after the whole breaking in thing, and and you know he breaks in after Mike broke in and comes home and yeah. tells him what he saw. So Jody, of course. He says, "I got to go back. I got to see if my brother's telling the truth or if he's just crazy." Um, but he sends Mike to go to the, the, the. There's a couple girls that that Mike or that Jody knows. He mm-hmm. sends him to go with these girls so that he could be safe from whatever's out there. And then he goes to break into right uh, the funeral home where mm-hmm. he discovers. That yes, in fact, his brother's telling the truth, and there's a lot of crazy shit going on right. in this building. Like, there's also a scene like, and also there's a there's a heartfelt moment when Reggie and Jody are on the porch with the guitars and shit singing and everything else. I I don't know why, but when you put little scenes like that usually in horror films, like, that doesn't match. For this film, it matches. It does, and I think it was. Uh, I think it was a precursor for you know when he was writing it, it was a precursor. Um, to let you know how good of friends they were. Yeah. Because he already knew how he was ending the film. Right. Right. And also, like, you know, you see that they're having a beer on the, the porch, they're sitting there playing a guitar, having a good time. Um, overall, though, like, I always thought that scene where, you know, where Mike is found by the caretaker, because he's vested, we talked about that earlier, I always thought the way that scene was shot. That spear in the air, and then when he, way it attaches, it just attaches, and instead of just going straight through the fucking guy's head, I like it stopped and adjusted and then went. I always thought that was cool, and then of course you finally get to see the tall man in action in this scene where you see they come face to face, and Mike goes that um, oh shit, <laughs> he knows, and then the tall and like it's weird they walk towards each other, they walk towards each other, they walk, and then bam, Mike takes off, and then he, you know, the tall man's hand gets loose. Yeah. Cuts the fucking tall Cuts man's fingers off. off and like yellow musk. So it makes you wonder like what the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like what is he? And then you see the little the little creatures in the hoods come out to chase him and they grab his fucking shoe. Which I thought all they're gonna use that to trace him or find out where he is or whatever. But also I think I'm missing something. I, I'm trying to think I'm, I feel like I'm missing something I'm, that I haven't talked about because I feel like Oh, the the uh, the scene where he uh, Mike goes to the um, to see that woman, that gypsy or oh, the yeah, magician yeah, the yet fortune the fortune teller. Yeah, and I was sitting there watching that where he gets his hand put in the box and it's all in his mind. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking like, are they fucking with him or what are they? I, I'm not. I mean, I think that's another precursor because of when they find out, which I don't know that you would necessarily say you're finding out at that moment where these mm-hmm. the tall man and these creatures come from, but. Uh, Essentially, it's it's another dimension, really. Yeah. And uh, he finds a doorway because throughout the franchise, there's more than one. He finds a doorway and he sees their world. Right. Um, but with those doorways, to us, they're practically invisible until you pass through them, and then you know, like he, when he put his hand through it, it looked like his hand was disappearing in thin air. Right. And I think that was what she was getting at. It was the precursor to that mm-hmm. is that he was afraid of what's in the box before he ever put his hand in the box. Right. That's what I was trying to figure out because I was like, I'm going to have Mark talk about that because I was confused a little because bit. Because he was, you know, because he, 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 he has that flashback of that scene when mm-hmm. he finds that doorway because he put his hand through the doorway. He goes, oh, my hand disappears. Right. You know, what is this? 
and he has that flashback, and then when it goes back to him at the doorway, he basically sticks his head inside and uh-huh. goes all in. Right, and I will also say this too: Jody's player, uh, Plymouth Barracuda. That's a badass car, dude. That is a badass car. It doesn't hold a uh, doesn't hold a candle to the ice cream truck, though. <laughs> that ice cream truck is badass in that film. I always thought that like, that is pretty cool, but I always thought that Barracuda. When I saw it, I was like, "Man, that's a badass car. Like, that's a badass car." I mean, it's not smoking the Bandit, but it's pretty damn good. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet ass car. Uh, what'd you think about the the Jody scene where he goes investigating him shooting, basically in the dark of the night, shooting at the few man's her- the, the 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 hearse. Um. Yeah, here's the thing with low budget. Low budget. Films this is where and, we're this is where we're gonna beat the shit out of this film a little bit. I'm not gonna beat the shit out of it, but you know, low budget films, and, and, and gun, you know, gun scenes, and and well, you know, I'd say gun scenes, car chases. Um. And also with low budget film, you know, even like foot chases, like they never actually. They never actually, I don't want to say, I don't want to say make sense, but they never actually do it in a practical way. Right. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing that. That's one of the beauties to the low-budget horror film franchise. By the way, before I forget, and obviously my shirt, shout out to Sammy Terry. Shout out to Sammy Terry. Huge fan of Sammy Terry. Still watch Sammy Terry to this day. You know, that's one of the... Met do- Sammy Terry last October. How was that, by the way? He's a nice guy. I've heard he's, that's the son, right? Not the. That's the son of the original Sammy Terry. Right. Yeah. Um, if for people that don't understand, down here, up here in Indianapolis, Indiana, that is a local legend on local television yes, here. He used to show horror films on regular television back in the day, and now he still does on Facebook. He also has a website that uh, you can go watch any episode him or his father ever made. I believe it's NightmareTheater.com. Yeah. Um, but he, if you see Sammy Terry. Um, he does not break character. No. At all. No, he, he stays in character. And like the good old days, when you would show horror films on television, they won't be censored the way they are nowadays. Yeah, the no. Good. And it, and that is part of uh, my love for the low-budget horror films. Horror film. Because what he would show, what Sammy Terry would show, he was because sh- you know everybody talks about threat theatrical releases. There was a lot of films that were low-budget. Like we talk about 70 cult classics from horror films. You know, they had a remake of it year, came out about 10, 12 years ago that I think is fucking great. I spit, I spit on my grave. Yeah. The remake I love. That original film was disgusting. Oh, yeah. That it is what it feels. Was, it's disgusting. I would, but it's enjoyable. I would fair to venture that at the time that the original came out, there was nothing like that. No. It was. A, it basically was. I mean, how, Last House on the Left was similar to that but not the same they had similarities yeah very similar but that different. was more censored too yeah house on last house on the left was very nasty but spit on my grave is just fucking disgusting yeah it would make you want to like you watch it film, you're like oh my god like what the fuck am i watching it's like it's my favorite style one of my favorite styles of films that terry tino's done grindhouse those old grindhouse fucking horror films that i i am a huge fan of like I've always, I love those old Grindhouse films. You know what's a movie we should watch together and then do a podcast on? What? Bad Taste by Peter Jackson. Bad Taste. It was, I think one, I think it may have been his very first film, but uh, essentially it's like alien invasion horror film, extremely low mm-hmm. budget. Um, that and he also one of his very first films is Meet the Feebles, which. If anybody who listens to this hasn't checked out either of those films, definitely. Meet the Feebles is not is not a horror film. It is a comedy. The Feebles are basically like Sesame Street, mm-hmm. and they're very raunchy. Really, <laughs> very raunchy. Well, I'm I'm down for that first one. I'm gonna find that and I'm gonna look it up here eventually. We'll figure Peter that. Peter Jackson's out. actually in the film. Peter Jackson, the one that did Lord of the Rings yes. and the Hobbit franchise, yes. right? Mm, okay, I'm gonna look into that. King Kong, he's done some other films. Yeah. He's a damn good director. Oh yeah. You know, you know, side note, you know, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare, that shit bomb of a movie that that came out like in what, the early nineties. Yeah. You know, he originally wrote the script for that film. What he originally had planned for that movie, he actually had a script plan wrote for that, where it was gonna be like, Freddy's so weak in the dreams, nobody believes him anymore, and he somehow gets his powers back, and he goes, hey, a y a shit. It was supposed to tie into Friday the Thirteenth. They were actually gonna do it. 
and Peter Jackson was was in line to do that. Like he was gonna write the fucking script for that fucking movie. I would have loved to see that. I would have too. <laughs> like that you get a Peter Jackson script with a good horror director. Oh my god, a Peter Jackson script with a West. With, with well, a, and the thing is, is like, I mean, Peter Jackson, because of the films that he's done mm-hmm. in his later career. I'm not talking about bad taste, but you know, like you said, King Kong, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Um, Peter Jackson. He goes big on everything now. Well, about the what was that movie about the Giants he did or whatever? Uh, did he do the BFG? Is that no, it was some other film he came out with. There was an action film about Giants or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but we're getting off tangent. But, yeah, like, um, back to Phantasm. Like, the fact that, you know, after that scene or whatever, they hide they hide in Reggie's ice cream truck. Then they find Reggie. They, and also, I the, my scene that made me laugh out fucking loud was when Fucking Jody and Reggie decide that they're gonna go get the fucking tall man. They're gonna kill this motherfucker. They 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 grab and Mike's like I'll go and fucking Jody grabs Mike, throws him in the room and he locks it. He does the and I I laugh because of this reason because I've done this to my brother before. Pull the door shut, put a fucking flathead oh, yeah. screwdriver in the side. Lock. I've done that before I and that's why I laugh. Talk about this because the MacGyver. Of the shotgun shell. Right. Scene. Yes. I had told my wife when we were watching, because we rewatched it last night, and I told my wife, I was like, I, first of all, the end result of what he does with the shotgun shell, to make a long story short, he takes a hammer, and he takes a thumbtack, and he takes a shotgun shell, mm-hmm. and he sticks the thumbtack into the, into the shotgun shell, then tapes it to the end of the hammer, and hits the door with it to blow the knob off. Right. Now, I don't doubt... <laughs> That if you did it the right way, mm. you could probably blow the knob off. Well, yeah. he actually, he doesn't blow the knob off. He blows a hole in the door, and then he reaches through and, mm-hmm. and unlocks the knob. I don't doubt that you could probably blow a hole through a door doing that. I do, however, doubt that if you did it, there would be a ginormous puff of smoke that would come out of it the way it does. Mm-hmm. I told my wife, I was like, I kind of want to try it, but at the same time, I don't want to blow my hand off. Right. I also thought the scene where... You know, after that, where where Jody finally gets, uh, not Jody, but Mike gets out, and the tall man's right there away for him. And the way the tall man snatches him up, like he hold, he's only like he's a yeah. child, and then Mike fights him, and then he just fucking grabs and holds him up. Like to me, I don't know what it was. You could tell he probably had some strings or whatever they pulled, like right. like had a crane pulling him up or something like that. But to me, that little shit like that is meaningful. It wasn't a fucking chokehold like Michael or fucking like lift him up. It was he had this. Yeah, because he, he, he's not. He's not trying to end him right there. Yeah, he's not trying to kill he's, him. He's going to take him somewhere, and then he's going to yeah, take care of right. him. You know, he right. isn't trying to end him right there. All right. The whole thing with, um, you know, obviously, then you get to the scene where, you know, they're in there fucking looking for the tall man. Reggie gets hunted down, and you guess Reggie dies, supposedly, right? Then you do the whole thing where they – refresh my memory on this. Did, did anybody – Know about the, the the mine shaft they had in this town? Did anybody ever speak, they ever talk about that at all? I don't think they talked about it. No. All of a sudden, the tall man's there. You know, the, Jody and Reggie's. Excuse me, Jody and Reggie's plan goes haywire. Mike shows up, distracts the tall man. Tall man goes after him, goes after him. He's gonna get this. He's gonna get him. 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 Gonna get him. And he falls in the mine shaft supposedly, and all these rocks fall on him. Yeah, rocks fall on him. And okay, you think it is, and then all of a sudden, Mike wakes up in his bed, and they Reggie's alive already again. And Mike said, "Yeah, he just had a, you know Mike that he had a he told Mike he had a nightmare, or basically a bad dream." And then the scene you talk about the ending, boy, yeah, whatever. because he tells him, um, he says, "Well, you're you're traumatized because Jody died in a car wreck." Right. And he has this flashback of standing in the cemetery, mm-hmm. so you're like, oh, okay, so this whole right. chain of events that we just witnessed was all in the mind of a traumatized right. child right. because the only family he has left is, right. has died in a car. I think that the scene, that the now that we're talking about the conclusion of the film, I think the scenes I remember the most from this are all with the tall men are present. The finger in the box, I thought that was pretty fucking cool, where... You know, he got his hands caught off, and he had the little box. He put it in. First off, he just picked up a finger like it was nothing, not like, like, yeah. oh. like he just picked up, put his pipe. The fact that he just bled some yellow shit. shit. Like, oh, put it in, whatever. And then he goes, and then he goes to Jody, opens the box up, and he sees his fucking finger doing this. I like the scene where 
He sees the tall man on the what is it with the horses and shit. Um, oh, on the on the it, it's an old time. It's a black and white photo photo of a funeral that took place in old timey days. Right. And so you know they don't have cars, so they have this carriage. Carriage, yeah, that's what it's yeah, the, and the, it does a zoom up, and you know the the, the head turn with that fucking smug. That kind of remind me of uh, uh, what they did with Pennywise in the remake of it. Oh, with the. The, Where he split them through the, the slideshow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that's what that reminded me of. Well, also, thought. at the end of that, we're going to talk a little bit about Stephen King here in a minute. What we got, what uh, about Welcome Back? We're going, we're going back to Derry. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that since we're done with this review. But overall, and also the scene, I'm, my favorite scene in this, outside of that scene with the the uh, with the, uh, the whole bedroom thing I laughed my ass off at, was when Mike's in bed and the tall man's over the tomb. And the fucking pe- the creatures come out of the ground grabbing them. Yeah. To me, that's awesome. That is perfect, perfect. So overall, for a cult classic, how do I feel about it? Usually, I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but like, I usually rank between one and ten on a scale. Okay, ten being the highest, one being the lowest. And I like Tall Man's presence. I do like Mike in this film, even though some of his acting and ages does not well. Jody is kind of a little over the top a little bit. Reggie is comical. In a good way, even though some of the act, like I said, the acting is not the greatest in this. Oh, low budget, low budget horror <laughs> film, which makes it, which makes it, which I'm gonna praise it here is, I love the cinematography, really good gore and blood, good scenes. On scale one to, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna give it a seven point five out of ten. I do like it a lot. I recommend this for anybody. If you're a horror fan, casual horror fan, you want to watch a film you never seen before, watch Phantasm. In my opinion, it's worth a watch. Now, would I go out and buy it? Mm, no, I probably stream it first. Then, I, if I like it enough, like I do, I actually own the movie on Blu-ray. So, what are your, what is your overall on it? Well, like I said, this is one of the only films ever, being you know never being censored as a kid, the only film ever to really just irk me, just eerie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, like I said, it's one of my all-time favorite horror films. I don't know how I, I, I don't know that I could correctly rate it um because obviously i have a bias <laughs> right i understand um it's like me with the crow oh speaking of the crow did you see we're gonna talk about that yeah. whatever we're gonna talk about that too but like the crow it's my favorite movie of all time so even though there's a couple scenes where the, the cgi and the effects are horrible i'm still not gonna bash it because because yeah. it's it's my favorite movie ever it's like halloween Halloween to me is a timeless classic. The Lost Boys, those three films to me are timeless. Like they're perfect. Yeah. I can't. I'll never say a bad word about them. So everybody's got their preference, man. So it's whatever. Yeah, like I said though, I, and I think there is something about Phantasm that it's a horror film, and I can't even really put my finger on it. But there is something about the film that there's something that's not there that is in other horror films. That makes this one creepy to me. Yes. I mean, when you look at regular, you know, I don't say regular, when you look at other horror films, uh, like even really big budgeted, highly acclaimed horror films, yep. there is a certain tone that lets you know that it's a horror film. And this is, I mean, you, this is a horror film, but I feel like whatever that is, that is absent in this film and it makes it more creepy. Mm-hmm. If that, makes any sense. Right, I understand exactly what you're saying. There's an emptiness to it that to me uh, is a good thing and it just, it, it, to me it just makes it that much more creepy than other things I watched growing up. Right, absolutely. Like there's certain things like, you know, it's like, it's one of those horror films like I'm not a guy that's going to go out one day I'm going to go see, watch Phantasm. Like it's not one of those things for me. It's more of this is a really good solid horror film. I enjoy it. I mean, there are worse horror films than this. There are better horror films than this. But it's worth giving a chance and watching. Now, I have heard <clears throat> the second film is arguably the best one of the franchise. A lot of people go up and, like, a lot of people say they go back and forth which one's the best. I feel like, and I feel this way about a lot of franchises, is that whatever the original is tends to be the best. The best. Except for, like, the. Because it's where it starts. Mm hmm. The only two horror franchises that I can make an argument for that are high profile, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one's a timeless classic, but how is Dream Warriors not better than it? 
Dream Warriors is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, I know what you know. Every time I think of Dream Warriors, it's just like I think about that badass. I love that movie poster, but I love that Dawkins that theme song. I just think it's the perfect blend of Freddy that we end up getting the comical. Yeah. It's the perfect bond. And I'll tell you another one for Friday Thirteenth. I'll do. I love the remake. It's my favorite one of that franchise. I love Derek Mears as Jason Voorhees, and I pray to God he gets a chance to play that role again because I think he, I think he's just great. The original one is okay. It's a good film. It's a good film. I've always tended the final chapter, part four being the best one of the original eight. The original, not the, the Paramount films before yeah. they went the new line. I've always thought that was so, that was the only two franchises I can think is, or maybe not, that I think is better, you know, the, the, of the originals. But this one, I'm going to watch the second one and give it another take on that or eventually one day, but I do like it. I mean. Um, two is, is really good. Right. Um. Three. I've heard it's horrible. Uh, three is actually. I've, I'll take that back. I've seen three and four that of my memory for whatever reason. I haven't seen the second one. It's weird. I've seen the third one. I'm not a fan of it. The fourth one I do like. The fifth one is horrible. I didn't mind the third one. The fourth one to me is where it starts drifting off and drifting different. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I think most franchises once you get past number three. It starts going a different direction where it's like, here we yeah, go. It starts again. becoming a shit show after that. Right? Unless you can come up to a different, you know, different take. So, two more things for a close day out. Welcome back to Dairy. Can't wait. HBO Max announced the other day that they are going to do an It prequel series taking place in the origin story, Pennywise, and other things before the, the Lucius Club. Now, obviously, they're going to go off the 60s with this film because in the film, the readaptation, we got 2017, which I am a big fucking fan of. Um, it was my favorite horror film, 2017, actually. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to go from the 60s because the Loser Club in that film is in the 80s. They're going to do an origin story of Pennywise and everything else. And hopefully, I believe Bill Skarsgård will return to the role. Right? I hope so. I think I think he really enjoyed playing the role from everything. I, all the interviews I watched with him. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. That fucking, you know, we talk about Tim Curry as Pennywise is iconic. I think Skarsgård is really fucking, I think if anybody, it's so neck and neck with those two. I tend to lead more to Scarzar because that the eye and everything else. Tim Curry to me was Tim Curry. You couldn't tell it yeah. was Scarzar in, in the clown, the makeup. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my only thing. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things where you talk about a great actor first and then there's accomplishments second. Yeah, amen. Because his brother's a pretty good actor too. His brother played Tarzan and, yeah. and True Blood. His brother's a pretty good actor as well. They, they, you wouldn't know that was his brother until you fucking saw him in an interview together. You wouldn't know that either. Uh, well, there's... There's more than just his. I mean, he's got several siblings that are in. I didn't know that. And their father's an actor too. I didn't know that. Oh, you, so uh, the doctor in four, the professor, the old guy. That's that's their dad. That's oh, that's right. That is. I forgot. Oh, wow. Now, you brought. I brought. Uh, the crow and Pennywise. You said speaking of the crow, I said, the rumor is, for years they've been trying to reboot the crow. Yeah. Now here's my take on this. I'm a fucking crow fanatic. I got a tattoo on my fucking arm. I got posters. I got. I mean, I love the crow. It's my favorite movie ever. It's my favorite graphic novel ever. Comic book people that don't understand that knowledge. I'm okay with remakes and reboots. I'm fine. I don't like Bill Skarsgård in the lead of Eric Dragon. I. So, I'm not a fan of that. I. It might, I'm sorry, to cut you off, Mark. No, no, no. My, my opinion. I would rather have Jason Momoa. So, some Jason Momoa, Luke Evans. I think his brother, his brother, the one who plays Tarzan or whatever, or True Blood. I think you could. Bill Skarsgård to me, I'm not. I'm just. I don't see it. Maybe I could be. I not. If I'm wrong, I will come on here and say I was wrong. Uh, I'm just not. I will. I when they originally said this that Momoa was attached to it, I was ecstatic because I'm a Jason Momoa fan. And I know that he could pull it off. Yeah, he could pull it off. I was the same way. Yeah, because I remember and we talked did, about it. They uh, did the tester makeup on him, and the picture was released. And uh, was, I, was I awesome. mean, I was like, "Why did we not get this?" I remember me and my buddy Jared Eastbrook, who I did the Batman review with. COVID. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't COVID. It, I was, it was COVID. No, it was it was over. It was over issues with the script and shit. I guess what I read was Momoa wanted to do more with the graphic novel, and they wanted to do basically not a shot for shot remake, but similar to that. And Momoa was like, "We can't do that." Oh. Okay. So they backed out. That's why Momoa backed out of it. I mean, Momoa ain't doing nothing these days. I mean, he's got Aquaman. He's he's got Game of Thrones to live the rest of his life. But I, I, I his divorce. No, they're they're still together. Oh, I thought they were getting no, divorced. they're still together. Bless. Uh, there's a photo of him and Lenny Kravitz together on bikes and shit. They're saying they're brothers for life. I'm like, 
That's fucking weird, man. I mean, you're boning his ex-wife. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. I mean, Hollywood. Right. But I'm, I just wish, I, I, if he's, if he comes out there and blows it away and kills it, well done, man. I'll, I'll come out here and say it, but I'm just, you know, I don't know, man. After. Because remember, while they're Ryan, there was talk about Ryan Gosling even doing the role. Yeah. Here's my thing. Um. You never know what someone's going to be able to pull off. Mm-hmm. Because if you had told me, say, 10 years ago, if you would have told me 10 years ago, Robert Pattinson's going to be an amazing Batman, I'd have told you you're full of shit. But if you watch the Batman, he does an amazing, amazing job. fucking job. And I think also we forgot Robert Pattinson's actually, everybody thinks about Twilight. Robert Pattinson's a damn good actor. Have people ever seen The Lighthouse? I'm not a big fan of that movie, but, he, but he's really good in that movie. Yeah, I thought it was good. He's really good in that. Um, but overall, you know, we want to talk a little Batman. We want to talk a little bit about that. We can just talk about it before we get we'll off talk here. About a little Batman. Um, basically, we talked about like you love that new Batman movie. I do love the new Batman, and I'm a big fan of it. Too. I've seen it three times now. Every time I watch, I get more and more. I'm more and more excited about it. How do you feel about that Joker scene? Okay, so the thing I like about this Batman is that they. In essence, they made it practical. The Riddler isn't just some goofball in a stupid outfit who's leaving riddles around. Mm-hmm. The Riddler is a, a serial killer, right. essentially. Zodiac, based off the Zodiac based killer. Based off the Zodiac killer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Right. I, Absolutely. Uh, me too. The fact that it's supposed to be practical is awesome. None of his gadgets, maybe the grappling hook that he has attached to his arm, none of the other gadgets he has are so exaggerated that you're like, oh, there's no way that could ever be. Like, I'm not saying the grappling hook couldn't be real. I'm just saying you never, you know, you don't see the intricacy of this grappling hook that's attached to the greaves of on, his, on his arm, right? So, that being said, it's very practical. The Joker, that the, the scene that they didn't put in, which you get a pretty good idea of what his entire face looks like, um, and the ba- seems very exaggerated. Seems like it doesn't even, it doesn't even fit into that film, so I'm glad that he took it out. Same here. Now, I did watch the interview with Matt Reeves where he said that what you're actually seeing, he's not the... It will be the Joker, but he's not the Joker yet. Yeah. Um, And he said that he wanted to go with an angle where he didn't fall into a a bunch of chemicals. It's more like Joaquin Phoenix Joker where he suffers from this physical affliction where he can't quit smiling, kind of like the man, the, what is it, the, the man who smiles, the old horror film. The uh, movie from the 1920s or 30s, yeah. it's a silent black and white, not a silent black and white film, but it's a, it's a black and white film. Where, go look at this image up, it's fucking creepy. It's actually where the Joker comic, yeah, where, the concept where Bob Kane, DC Comics, came up with that idea for the Joker character. That yeah. it, it, And it's actually, uh, some people got that tattooed on them and shit, like it's actually a really, it's an old, it's an old fucking film from the, the 30s, like 20s yeah. or 30s, man. If they would have kept, what's his name, Barry Keoghan or whatever, the guy. The guy from Eternals. Yeah, okay. If they would have kept him, for those who haven't seen that scene, the Joker's, so he can't quit smiling to the point that his face is almost scarred from these smiles. And the first thing I noticed that seemed really ridiculous was he has too many teeth in his mouth. Yeah, it's like like his teeth, like he, he has had, double the amount of teeth. He's like a, it's like a great. I, I compare it to a great white shark, like you know how they had yeah. two or three rows of teeth. Yeah. It looked like he had teeth here and teeth there and teeth everywhere. It's yeah. like, to, and like and also, I also would take a uh, my take on this too was, I'm a big fan of the way the hair looks, where he looks like he's disfigured and it's patched up yeah. and shit. I like that. A lot of people were picking that online. His fingers, the way they were cut up and scarred, and the hair—I thought that looked great. That's okay. That's I, that's I can different take. That. Yeah, that's different. Take. But the and, and to understand that in the Batman, for those who don't know, is this is year two. This mm-hmm. is not year one. He's already fought that character. That character's already had a run in, and even in that scene, he says, "Oh, it's our anniversary." Right. So he's already fought that character. So maybe Batman's the reason for the scars and everything else. Mm-hmm. But to me, and I'm not asking for an origin story out of it. Me either. I don't need it. But I also will tell you this too. If but you... I think if they would have kept him without having all these scars, if they kept the guy's, that, that, that actor's face and just added the makeup on him, 
would have been fine. It would have been fine. It would have. It would have been practical. Yeah. Now, did you see? Did you get the thing? What happened? Remember when Batman Holt hands him the uh, paperclip? Yes. Yeah. Where he, the paperclip's gone. Yeah. That's how. I mean. Now, with that film coming out, they're saying we'll have another bat, another D Batman film, in five years. Hope it's sooner than that. I hope it's between I, two. Th- I hope it's quicker than. I hope it's years. two or three. I hope it's two or three years. But they have all this spinoff stuff going on at the same time. Yeah. Because we got the Penguin film. That's gonna be HBO TV, Max. TV series. Yeah. And then you got that. You got a bat. You got a Catwoman thing coming out. with Zoe Kravitz are talking oh, about? Are they, there's a rumor. I think there's a rumor going around that. We got a Batwoman film coming out that's got Michael Keaton involved. Yeah. It's a good time to be a comic book fan, oh, it's man. Batgirl, it's not Batwoman. Bat, Batgirl. I apologize. They just finished filming yesterday. Really? Yeah. So here's my thing, man. And I, I've talked about this with some people. It's a good ass time to be a comic book fan. Either you're a Marvel or a DC guy. It does not matter. It's exciting. It's it's fucking like, dude. Like I'm ecstatic that we've got this coming out. You know what I mean? And one of the other spinoffs is they're developing a spinoff where it's Arkham and the rogues gallery that's locked up in Arkham. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I, and I, when I've actually thought that before, what an awesome idea, like, you know, you had Gotham, the TV show, but what an awesome idea it would be to just have a show about the ongoings of Arkham. Yeah. Like, give us what we want. Give, give. And I think it'd be even better if the main characters of the show mm-hmm. Were the employees of Arkham, you know, yeah. and all of the rogues galleries were just—I don't want to say side characters, but they're in the background. The whole—they're the background, and the whole inter—the whole premise of the show is their interactions with those villains. Let me ask you a question. You know, I get this all the time, like how you're a DC fan over Marvel and everything else, and people, you know, give me shit about DC doesn't have the hits that Marvel has. I'll make this real clear to people: DC to me, I grew up on DC comics. I grew up. Outside the X Men cartoon and the 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 um, and the Spider Man cartoon, you didn't realize I I was on watching cart I was a Cartoon Network kid. The Batman series was always on Cartoon Network. The Superman yeah. series was always on Cartoon Network. I always watched those. So I'll also say this to in the Justice League cartoons and shit they were fucking great. So I would say this too. Stop picking sides because both styles are different. Now here's the funny thing about people who pick sides on DC and Marvel. Is and I'm more of a DC fan, but I enjoy Marvel. I just can't stand these fans that, well, DC don't have the hits that Marvel the has. The collective mind of, we'll call them the forefathers of these companies, we're all one. Yeah, Stanley. They all work for DC. And then Stanley and a bunch of other artists went over to Star Marvel. Said, we're getting screwed over on our stories and we're getting screwed over on our pictures. And they left and created Marvel. But essentially, they were all DC at one time. And not only In that, fact, the Eternals were supposed to be released with DC. And that feels more like a DC thing, too. I was sitting there, when I went here, I was like, this feels more DC than Marvel. Like, it felt weird. The Hulk was originally supposed to be released under DC. Bingo. And, like, there's a fucking thing that got posted on Facebook years ago about... DC characters on this side, Marvel characters on this side, mm-hmm. and every one of them were identical yeah. to what a DC they, character. You, yeah, I've seen the same thing. It's actually, I, I saw they have it on uh, Instagram. Right, and I'm gonna pull it up one day because it's like, just be thankful we're getting this because there's the, the Marvel makes better movies, and you know these fucking fans out here. I'm like, like, yeah, Marvel makes good films, but I don't like the tone of Marvel films. I like darker fucking movies. That's why I'm a horror fan. I like dark. The Batman, that tone of that fucking movie is fucking perfect. Yeah. That's the perfect tone for a fucking Batman movie. It's like, the reason why people didn't like Man of Steel and Batman or Superman, it's too dark. Well, it's, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Man, like, Man of Steel is a sad story, basically. Yeah. He loses his father, he has to snap Zod's neck to fucking get, to make him stop. It's you tragic. Watched, uh, um, Lo- uh, No, I haven't watched them. It is really good. I might give I it a like chance, a man, but that I see for see they've been wearing my ass out. They man. are really good with this. They really, really are. I tried to get Black Lightning a chance, I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like it either. Didn't care for it. The fucking cat the Batwoman fucking movie, the T V show series that came yeah. out, that's fucking horrible. It's horrible, but it so <laughs> so I'll read week to week what the episode was about. And if it sounds like something I'll, I'll watch, watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> 
So I'll end this on a good note. I appreciate you coming on the show, Mark. We had a good time. I eventually like to have you back on. You got softball season coming up, don't you? Softball starts April sixteenth. You coaching girls? I'm not coaching this season. I'm on the board, so I, I mean, I guess you could say I am coaching because I'm going to have to help out any team that needs help as that comes up. But I am not coaching my own team this season. I decided not to. I was asked to for three different age groups, and I turned to well, well, too well we got to we, we got to work at the palace for five days a week, so four <laughs> days a week. So it's kind of hard, right? I mean, do we need to? We're not going to go there. We're not the palace. Go. Let's not bash the palace. We're not going to bash the palace. But anyway, y'all, tune in next week. And just remember, y'all, I don't bullshit. I just tell like it is straight up.